G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to our elders past, present and emerging. Why are you here? To watch this bullshit that's going on here. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're saying you can't eat coal. But if they don't mine coal, they don't generate power, people haven't got jobs, people can't feed their families. You know, this is crap what she's going on about. Absolute crap. Get a bloody... Tell these bastards here to get a haircut and get a real job. That is the voice of a person outside the Melbourne Convention Centre a couple of weeks ago when protesters were calling for the closure of the International Mineral and Resources Conference because of what is now a climate emergency. No time for business as usual. This man could be seen as the voice of the past. The issue of jobs and climate change is the topic of a new report released jointly by the AMWU, the Australian Manufacturing Workers' Union, the ETU, the Electrical Trades Union, the Gippsland Trades and Labor Council, the MUA, the Maritime Union of Australia, and the Victorian Trades Hall Council. The report is called Putting the Justice in, Just Transition. We were there. Our next speaker today is Will Tracy. He's the Deputy National Secretary of the Maritime Union of Australia. Comrades, uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak today. Um, I want to begin by uh, acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and paying my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I also want to take the opportunity to um, acknowledge uh, those officials from Gippsland and the Latrobe Valley, those workers from the Latrobe Valley that have travelled up here today who are so dependent uh, on the coal industry and fossil fuel for their livelihoods and the livelihoods of their communities. I want to thank uh, members of ours, members of the MUA who work in the offshore oil and gas industry who are here today, uh, as well in good numbers, because for these workers in the Latrobe, for those workers who work in the oil and gas, the concept of uh, a move to a uh, low emission economy is not an arbitrary concept. For these workers, for their families, for their communities, we're talking about something that when they transition to, uh, away from fossil fuels to a low emission economy is very, very real for them. It has a massive impact uh, on these workers, a massive impact on their families, a massive impact on the communities in which they live and for many of them have lived for many, many generations. Uh, and when we look to the current experience in this country uh, about jobs in the renewable sector, uh, by and large, uh, many of those jobs have been, and this is the experience that we see and live, many of those jobs have been casual jobs, especially in the blue collar space. Many of those jobs have been, blue, have been casual jobs often done by itinerant labour, often done by backpackers, on shit-ass rates of pay uh, and on uh, very little conditions, real conditions of employment. Uh, and this is what workers in the fossil fuel industry see and their communities see when we talk about the transition to jobs in the renewable sector. And so is it any wonder uh, when uh, workers are presented with that choice uh, that we get election results like we saw earlier this year in North Queensland? where workers are presented what they see as a binary choice between their jobs and their communities on the one hand and the environment on the other. 
And is it any surprise that every day of the week they're going to vote for their jobs in their communities? And we need to appreciate that this is a very real fact for these workers who have been asked to bear, largely on their own, the brunt of the transition from fossil fuels. And if we don't get this right, we will continue to see election results that set us back decades in relation to dealing with and presenting a very viable alternative in respect of a trans, uh, transition to a low emission economy. And it's absolutely important that if we're going to talk about a move away from fossil fuels, and it is a position that my union supports, and we are the union broadly across all of our divisions that represent oil and gas workers and coal workers and coal communities and communities that rely on workers in the oil and gas industry for their future, that we are able to present in the renewable sector jobs that are stable, long-term, well-paid, union conditions, union wages on union agreements. This is something that we need to be able to deliver and that's the hope and the aspiration of a project like Star of the South, that for the first time in this country we are able to practically put in place what this concept of just transition can mean. That we have an ability to present for the first time union jobs, union conditions, union agreements. Set up a transition in the economy that allows proper diversification, renewable manufacturing. This is the opportunity that this project presents. And it's not going to be easy, comrades. We're going to have to campaign politically, industrially, socially, but it's achievable. We need to mark the line in the sand. This project, at the scale it's been built, Australia's largest renewable energy project, has a chance to deliver a future for us that doesn't discard workers in the fossil fuel sector and their communities, but includes them. That's what this project presents. This project, for the first time, presents a real example, a lived example, of just transition. And comrades, I urge you, because we do, to get behind this report, because this report is a campaign plan, a call to action, to be able to provide the sort of jobs that we as workers, environmentalists, politicians, can believe in, that delivers for workers and doesn't discard them. Comrades, we urge you to get behind this. We urge you to endorse this as a campaign plan for action that will deliver a just transition that we can finally believe in. You're listening to Stick Together, Workers' Stories, Human News, Social Justice Issues. The issue of climate and jobs is centre stage. Despite the fear of workers and their families that they will lose their livelihoods and the often distrust in future planning that doesn't really include the most needy at the table, a collective of unions, the AMWU, the Australian Manufacturing Workers' Union, the ETU, the Electrical Trade Union, and the Maritime Union of Australia, the MUA, with the support of the Gippsland Trades and Labor Council and the Victorian Trades and Labor Council, have thrown their caps in the ring with the release of the report putting the justice in just transition. The centrepiece of the report is a project called Spirit of the South, which aims to create a substantial wind farm off the coast of Gippsland, a site affected directly with the closure of the Hazelwood Coal Power Station, lots of job losses with a gut-wrenching situation for rural communities. This is focused on Victoria, but the issues affect workers across Australia. 
We were there at the launch. Um, I'd now like to introduce Steve Dodd. He's the Secretary of the Gippsland Trades and Labor Council. Thanks, Will. Uh, just like to pay me respects to traditional owners before we, uh, of the land before I start and uh, also uh, acknowledge everybody who's here. Just in regards to, uh, into, in regards to uh, the Latrobe Valley, uh, we've probably seen the worst of privatisation and also uh, shutting down of power stations and uh, coal mines in the region. As you all know, that uh, we've had Hazelwood uh, and other industries, the timber industry, Carter Holt Harvey, uh, have been shut down over uh, recent uh, years, uh, you know, and we're talking maybe two to 3,000 workers in those regions. One of the things that's actually hit out to us when we've, uh, in, in a partnership with uh, the Victorian government, uh, we've had a look at all those workers and uh, one of the things that stands out is people don't get trained or they don't, they get trained but none of their skills are portable in the industry. Currently, uh, I think we've, uh, over the last couple of years, we've trained over 2,000 uh, workers to get uh, industry cards and industry bits and pieces uh, that actually uh, put them on the front line to get a job. I think we're tracking at about 80% at this point in time in regards to, uh, uh, you know, workers in that region. So we're, we're well aware that, uh, you know, there's a lot of projects that have been built up. Uh, there's been, uh, it becomes a bit of a joke in the local uh, media down there, you know, somebody's going to do a coal to oil or they're going to do a magnesium plant or they're going to do uh, some other plant in the region, which actually comes to nothing. In regards to this, uh, this uh, wind farm uh, offshore, um, our view is that, uh, you know, we want, we want to actually build those wind farms. We want to do the manufacturing. Uh, we don't want to see uh, them imported and just put up off the coast of uh, Victoria. You know, we've got uh, pretty good infrastructure for uh, connecting up to the grid in uh, Latrobe Valley. And, uh, you know, it comes at a price for those uh, wind farms that, that if they want to use that infrastructure, they want community support, they want union support, then they have to support us in regards to the manufacturing jobs. Probably ask yourself a question, well, why are we, why are we moving this way? I mean... Some of the problems that we've got at the moment in the, in the power generation industry is that uh, a lot of those uh, uh, generators are pretty much on life support. I'm not sure that uh, people understand that, but uh, you know, you only have to look at your lawn, Liddell, there's a whole range of them that are gonna crash and burn very shortly. Um, you know, OEMO and uh, the federal government, uh, part, of, part of their problem is they have no energy plan. And I think it's uh, incumbent upon the unions and, uh, and the community, but especially the unions, we need to be uh, showing a bit of leadership on this and making sure when those people come to our area and want to build those jobs that we maximise the result, not only for, uh, for uh, the Gippsland region, but set the model up for, for other regions that are going to take a hit coming uh, shortly. So we want to we maximise... Uh, Maximise employment, you know, for jobs. Um, we've taken a fair few hits down there in the Latrobe Valley. One of the things that always uh, gets to me, uh, you know, when it's come up with the training that we've done with the guys, it's, it's also the impact on the community in regards to their mental health. Um, you know, if somebody can tell me, you know, that a power industry worker who's worked uh, for 30 years in the power industry and then all of a sudden is uh, 
thrown out the gate doesn't affect him mentally. Well, I've got, I've got some bad news for you, it does. Um, we've been uh, good at being able to, uh, you know, get all those workers together. They all train together. They all do their, their uh, bits and pieces, as I said. Um, you know, uh, we have high-skilled workforce in that region, very high-skilled workshops. We also have, uh, you know, the jobbing shops in that region. Uh, to do that work, we want to create a new manufacturing industry and we want to be at the cutting edge of all these uh, wind farms and any other uh, energy development that goes on down there. And we call on, you know, not only the federal government, but the Victorian government and people who are in there, actually consult with the unions and the community and make sure that, that we get the result that we should be getting. Um, you know, at the moment, you, you probably see everywhere people have got solar uh, panels on their roof. Well, guess what? The majority of them get imported. Um, you know, absolute disgrace in my view. Um, so that's where, that's where we're coming from. Uh, in regards to the other unions here, the ETU, the AMW and MUA, um, and the BTHC, uh, I congratulate you for being part of this. Uh, it shows that we are leading and we're going to continue to lead. Thanks very much. Introduce our final speaker. Um, that's Troy Gray. He's the State Secretary of the Electrical Trades Union. All right, this is good. This is good. Uh, and it's the start of something very, very big. Give credit to the, the mighty MUA for taking the lead on that. Um, but it's got to be done right. And if you have a look at the ETU, if I can indulge myself for a minute, we've been around uh, May the 13th. We turned 117 years of age. We're one of Australia's oldest unions. And the beauty about the ETU is that we're a craft union. We're not a big industry union. We work in about 20 different industries in Victoria. So when the vehicle industry was started some 100 years ago uh, in Victoria, the ETU, and many of the unions in the room were there. You name it, uh, we've been there. And a typical ETU member, uh, as well as being highly intelligent, they're highly skilled, and they're adaptable. Right? Uh, again, we've worked in these industries for over 100 years. Right? And we understand, you know, we're not Neanderthals, we understand technology changes and time changes. And our members, like all workers, are prepared to move with the times. But where they get a little bit frustrated, and you would have seen it perhaps in the vehicle industry, uh, and you'll see it definitely uh, in the coal industry, uh, is that when we go to transition, uh, there's no transition. It's not there. Politicians, and there's some good politicians, and everywhere I speak, I give credit to the state government. This government is the best government that I've dealt with. Been around politics for 30 years. They're not perfect, but neither is the ETU. Uh, and the amount of work that they have ticked off from an infrastructure point of view uh, is outstanding, outstanding. But where we get a little frustrated uh, is that when, an example is of the vehicle industry, when it's shutting down, that politicians jump in front of the camera and say that we're going to give millions and millions of dollars to training and, well, there's only so much training you can do if the jobs aren't there. And that's why we need just transition. And if you have a look at that um, and the report that's been put together, uh, this project, it ticks all the boxes. But we've got to do it right. There should be a just transition authority uh, and there's got to be a pact. Right? Because if you get it right, this can be the footprint, this can be the framework for the next three, four generations. Got everything, climate change, environmental, local jobs, TAFEs going gangbusters, apprenticeships, good paid union jobs, if it's done right. If it's not done right, 
You know, and I'm sad to say there have been a couple of examples recently in Victoria. You'll have a look at the big solar farms that are out there, up around Mildura, we've done them over the last couple of years. And this is where, when I say we need to get it right, and this is where we need a just transition authority, and this pact between community, union uh, and local jobs, and the government needs to be there. Now these projects up around Mildura, and these solar farms are massive, they get built in about eight months, good jobs, should be good jobs. Uh, they'll lead to some big multinationals, and this is what's going to happen unless the union movement uh, does what it's done for 160 years in this place, is take the lead on it. If we don't take the lead on this and we don't get some controls and transition around it, you get what you get up in Mildura. Great project, uh, renewable solar farm, tick, 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 that gets everything. Uh, but then they hand it over to the multinationals, and in this case it was a company called RCR, uh, and they've got no morals, no morals RCR, they're a multinational company, they're all very similar. Uh, instead of going down to Mildura and say this is a great opportunity, this solar farm, we can get uh, all the sons and daughters of farmers in the area, can start their apprenticeships and become to be electricians, they didn't do that. And they went to the notorious labour hire firm called WorkPack, they're an international mob, and they bought in 175 French backpackers to do the solar farm. Now I've got nothing against the French. Love the French. Love them. No, love them. And if I was backpacking around French, around Australia, and I was French, and offering 35 bucks an hour, and they're living out of their cars at the time and getting changed in the car park, and they didn't have a shell, and they didn't get any of the going rates. I mean, you're backpacking. Who cares? You know, that's what you're getting 30. They're happy. They're happy. But it was a missed opportunity, right? To be fair, when we raised it with the government, uh, they did jump on it, uh, and the solar farms now have a better commitment for what we want, right? But that's where we need to get it right, and that's where the MUA, you know, you read that. If you want to know what getting it right is, read that. Read that, have a look at it. Oh, I've read it. Are they joking? No, I it's good. It's what we want. It's just transition, and if we get it right, Get it right this time round. As I say, we're set for the next 50 to 100 years, right? And we're not, we're not experimenting here, right? This has been done all over the world. Pension funds, workers' money getting put into these schemes, right? It is not some new age experiment, right? It's been done. Go over to Europe and Germany and have a look at the wind farms over there. Second to none, right? In fact, we're about 20 years behind the, the times, right? So this is what we talk about when we talk about just transition it's in this booklet here, right? This is our time, right? This is about the union movement doing what it does best, and this is about leading the way, ensuring that there's apprenticeships into the future, ensuring that there's local jobs, right? When these jobs are down there, and I'm no economic, I left school at 15. I'm not an economic guru, far from it, but I grew up in Geelong, and I've seen manufacturing disappear, and everything that comes with that, right? When the social infrastructure collapses around that, you know, the, the ice academics and everything that follows that and the tapes getting hammered and, you know, kids walking around the streets with nothing to do. The pubs are all empty. You know, when I started in Geelong in the 80s, the pubs were full every night. Every night, I don't know, because I was there. Right? But uh, we can get back to that. We can fill the pubs if we've got just transition. This is a... <laughs> we can fill them. We can fill them again. We can fill them again. This is what we need. Credit to the MUA for taking the lead on it. I endorse the report. I endorse the project. Let's get on with it and get it up. My name is Penny Howard. I'm the National Research Officer for the Maritime Union of Australia. And you've, you're the one that's written this report. Uh, can you give us an idea of uh, what your brief was? So we were looking at this project. We were looking at the challenges we face within a transition. Um, 
we're the, the political challenges um, of trying to unite jobs and the environment, how are we going to reduce emissions, how are we going to reduce emissions without having a negative impact on society in general and working people in particular. Um, and so it's really come out of a process of thinking through that, talking to as many organizations as we could um, about that. And so the report's sort of grown out of, out of that process and thinking about what do we actually need and how are we going to get there. Now, it's interesting because there's a lot of enthusiasm for this project. I was just speaking to someone who had a, a slightly contrary view, which was that uh, this kind of uh, resource ties up uh, assets that are only working some of the time because it's a wind project. Right. And that um, also the manufacturing of the equipment is done overseas. Uh, there isn't proper investment in Australia. Uh, in the report, you actually probably look at that sort of thing. Yeah, so what we're saying, we don't know for sure exactly what this project is going to look like, but what we're trying to do in writing this report and launching this report is setting out um, our log of claims. What do we want this project to look like? What do we actually need this project to look like? Um, and we recognise that that's not going to be handed to us on a platter by anyone, but we're going to actually have to build the campaign to get those um, results. And we're going to have to, you know, that's going to be partly through union campaigning. It's going to have to be through broader political campaigning. We're going to need broader support from the environment movement, from the region, um, from other community organizations. Um, and we're going to need support and investment from governments um, as well. So it's going to take all of those things to make happen. So we're not just saying, you know, this is a great project. We're saying this is what we're going to need to do to make sure that this project delivers the results that we actually need. Well, I mean, there is an imperative that we reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, we've got to do that. So the question is how. If we do nothing, if we just wait for that transition to happen, it's not going to happen. And it's going to happen in a way that increases inequality. We know the status quo is that all new industries are, you know, casual poor paying jobs. Here is an opportunity to actually bring together a strong movement to campaign for a better example of what a new industry should look like and the kind of investment you know, from companies and from government that we need in order to deliver um, the outcomes. I mean, you can have a reliable electricity system running on renewable energy, but it's going to have to be planned and managed, it is more complicated, right? Um, the advantage you've got with offshore wind is that you can do bigger projects and wind offshore is stronger and more consistent. So you can kind of, you know, this project is actually the same size as a, a coal-fired power station, right? Um, so you don't have to do as much investment in the grid to actually make it work because um, if you've got 10 smaller projects scattered around the countryside in regional areas, you're going to have to build a lot of transmission infrastructure um, to get there. So, I mean, the bigger picture, we're, here we're talking about a project that has been initiated by the private sector, but the bigger picture is we are actually going to need a lot more government investment and planning to actually build the kind of grid and the kind of generation capacity that we need, because right now it is quite chaotic, it's quite unplanned, the whole coordination between, you know, we do have more and more renewable energy projects, but how those are actually, you know, there's no process really for deciding where they go or coordinating where they go with 
the transmission infrastructure or the actual capacity that's needed either. So we're going to need a lot more of that bigger picture thinking and planning and investment as well. Um, because right now those projects aren't bringing people across from um, mining or uh, coal-fired power industry. So, so to stop work, the workers from being a submissive uh, group that th things happen to and they can actually be part of the solution. Yeah, exactly. And we feel um, one of the things that's uh, happening right now, we represent a lot of workers uh, in the offshore oil and gas industry. And those companies are diversifying now to start working in the offshore wind industry and other parts of the world. So we already have union agreements with some of those companies. Um, we're a well-organized union. Um, we're used to campaigning and winning agreements with multinational companies, uh, with multinational oil and gas companies and their subcontractors. So we feel pretty confident um, that we're in a position to be able to do that with that with the offshore wind industry as well. But we don't just want to do that for ourselves. We recognize we've got a massive political challenge in Australia right now where we actually need to broaden those benefits, as you heard, across, across the manufacturing side, across all the electrical work, and across everywhere. So it's not just about, it is about making sure that our members who are seafarers working in the offshore oil and gas industry can transition to those jobs, but it's also making sure that the rest of the working class that's going to be impacted and people actually who, you know, women and um, Aboriginal workers who don't have the opportunity right now to have some of those good union well-paying jobs, um, that they get apprenticeships and a start in this, in this industry as well. Thank you. you go. Good, how are you? So you're pretty excited about this idea? Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, after the officials have given their speech and that, it ticks a lot of boxes and, um, you know, the just transition from um, expiring workforces to transition to new ones is, you know, pretty exciting and you've got to get behind that. Yeah, because you work in the oil and gas industry, don't you, at the moment? What do you do? Um, yeah, I'm an IR. I work uh, for a company called uh, Solstad and um, yeah, we've just uh, experienced a downturn and like we just sort of, you know, during that time realised that, you know, oil and gas isn't a solution that's going to be around forever and, um, you know, like in the rec rooms on the ships, this is something that we're all talking about and um, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting, you know, like, um, you know, we're not all passionate about oil and gas but, you know, like a lot of us, you know, believe in renewables and uh, making the planet a better place and and we've got the skill set to transfer over to these projects. It's um, yeah. But what you're really saying is you do you do like having food on the table. <laughs> yeah, we do, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's very important. And um, yeah, we would love to transition over to these uh, projects and uh, be a part of it. Yeah. That's it for Stick Together this week. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR. Uh, it's made possible through the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation. And we come to you on the community radio network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes. And you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are or whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together.